Rail Yard Dogs fans. Uh, I am Mickey Gray. I'm the president of the, the team, and I am here with a special guest today, uh, Mr. Brian Gardner. Mr. Brian Gardner, how are you doing? I'm all right. It's good to good to see you. Good to chat with you. You know, it's uh, it's been weird being away from the team now for this long, and yeah, I know, I know, and I it's something we've we've gotten to, to catch up a little bit here because we we obviously haven't been around each other for for quite some time. Uh, why don't you tell everybody where uh, where you've been and what you've been doing, real real quick? So I I mean I think anybody who pays attention closely to you know what's happening with the dogs probably has realized that I haven't been around that I was a casualty of the pandemic sort of and sent on furlough. You know there's no no use for me I guess to put it to put it coldly and so I kind of saw the writing on the wall for that and that the season wasn't gonna it wasn't going to happen for the rail yard dogs um around the same time my lease was coming up in Roanoke and so I my girlfriend had been Nora had been we'd been doing long distance she'd been in in the city in DC and I'm from the suburbs in DC and so she had been hanging out with me in Roanoke early in the pandemic and then she was starting to get to have to go back to work and so I left Roanoke I came up here with her I'm in Capitol. I have an apartment in Capitol Hill in DC with her and that's this is where I've been um, even when I was still working you know some doing some part-time hours for the dogs before officially opting out but like I said I kind of saw the writing on the wall and knew that yeah. I wasn't going to have to be in Roanoke so I came up to DC and I've been up here Sure. Yeah, that feels that feels like it was yesterday, and it feels like it was forever ago, all at the same time. Yeah. Um, and and the last bit of the last little bit of catch up before we we get going, uh, we talked about it off, you know, before we started recording a little bit. But how is how is Taco? What's what's his injury update? Taco, my dog, who some people may remember, I adopted after he was one of the pups of the game at a dogs game. Um, he broke his leg. Now, when we're recording this, it was 12 weeks ago today at the dog park. It was a freak injury, probably the worst thing that I've ever witnessed and had surgery on it. And he is tomorrow we're allowed to, you know, full restrictions are gone. We can let him back on the furniture. He's, you know, he's back going on walks, trotting, starting to run, wants to kill every cat he sees. And so Taco has made a full recovery. I know I posted about it on my social media a couple of times and, so yeah, things are starting to look up a little bit for, for Taco the dog. Very good, very good. Um, so, so like I said, we're gonna, we're gonna just jump right in. Um, we're gonna start off with a little bit of melancholy news um, uh, from your end. I know me and you have had some discussions about this for a little bit and you know, even through the, the opted out season and when you're on furlough and things like that. But um, why don't you catch the Rail Yard Dogs fans up to date on, on what is in your future? Yeah, so I'm not coming back. Pretty much it's um it's just time, you know, it just it's that that's kind of the the conclusion I came to a while ago, you know, during this season. And you know, there was you and I have talked about it. I won't get too money too far into the details, but pretty much it's just time. It's time for me to, you know, explore other opportunities whatever they, whatever comes up for it. I don't plan on leaving the industry. Like, I don't think anybody, so I've been working a job out of the industry to pay the bills since sure. not long after I got, um, you know, furloughed by, by you. <laughs> and, um, and that's, I'm, that's not what I plan to do forever. I do plan to stay in sports, sports communications, broadcasting, whatever, 
whatever opportunities present themselves, but it won't be in Roanoke. And yeah, yeah it's, it's just, it's, it's time for me to go. Like I said, I left, you know, last August I left town and when I left, I didn't know for sure that I wasn't coming back, but you know, as it went along, I, you know, and started thinking about potentially coming back. It just never felt right. And it's, it's time. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one of those things about like minor league sports and like the progression through the ranks, right? Like, and, you know, it's one of those, like as a broadcaster that's wanting to move up and move up, um, you just don't want to stay too long in the same place in the minor leagues. You know, it's, it's one of those, like, you know, that you just, you don't want to get too comfortable anywhere because you, you have to keep growing and, and things like that. And we certainly don't hold that against you. Um, and we're grateful that we got you for the, for the three and a half, four and a half years um, that we did. So, um, you know, now that that's unfortunately announced, uh, let's move, let's move on to some, some happier stuff and some fonder memories. So um, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, I think, I think you've called every rail yard dogs game in the history of the franchise. Is that right? The first year I only did about half of the road games. That's right. That's right. But so, every, we've never, yeah, I, I don't have a, I don't have a running tally or anything of how many I, I've done. I could probably go back and figure it out. Like I never kept a checklist of this is my 78th game or anything like that. Yeah, but, sure. but yeah, I'm all, I, I'm, I'm the only voice that the dogs have ever had, but I haven't done every game. Sure. So, so out of those, out of those three and a half years, do you have, a favorite call that sticks out to you? Do you have a favorite rail yard dogs game memory? You know, there are a couple. Um, the obvious one is, and it's one that people, I think is probably a favorite game of many who witnessed it would be in 20, the 2019 um, challenge round, the clincher against Peoria. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I mean, I, people might not believe me when I say it wasn't scripted, but what I blurted out when the dogs won and cause and I, I believe the call was challenge accepted, challenge completed. And that's, I, I've never been one to try to have a catchphrase or anything or like plan ahead of time. Like you see every, I'm not going to name names, but every once in a while you, you see a, a game, you see a call and you think, okay, well that guy definitely like sat down for an hour beforehand and <laughs> with a notepad or a notes app on his phone. It was like, if this happens, this is what my championship call is going to be. And that's never, I've always wanted to be kind of blurred out in the moment. And with that one, I remember um, with the challenge round for those two years when, you know, the higher seats picking which of the lower seats they want to play both years, everybody on social media who got chosen as an opponent was like, all right, challenge accepted. And so that was stuck in my head that it was it had been challenge accepted. And of course, that year, it was a slap in the face sort of that Peoria had picked Roanoke. And it was like, and you know, even even though I'm not on the team, you know, I'm, I'm with these guys, I want these guys to win, you know, I'm a part of the team in a way. And so like, I wanted them to win so badly. And it kind of came out just challenge accepted challenge completed. And yeah, that so that that's one that I remember as, you know, that was an organic call that, you know, stuck. And I, I think Eric McFarlane quoted me and quoted the call of it in the paper when he wrote a story previewing the, you know, as the post game, you know, the next day, something. And so it was something that stuck with people. And I, you know, I was proud of it to a certain extent. Um, and then there are a few others. There was, uh, there's one, and there's one that I may, that might be my big, my favorite moment, favorite call, if not for a, um, a little bit of regret with it. 
because I had a wicked cold. So it was a <laughs> come from behind game. You probably remember it was against Fayetteville. Um, dogs had gotten down for nothing in, in the second period and then ended up scoring five unanswered goals that culminated with a Mac Jansen goal with like nine seconds left or something. And my voice was gone because I was, and it was just cracking like no other. And, you know, I, I gave it everything I had, but if you listen back, it's just like the, the lines would be going up and down because it scores, you know, yeah. that was one of my favorite moments. And I always wished that I wasn't sick for that one. I actually, so it's funny that you mentioned that game. I actually was just going through old, um, we were going through the old hard drive and going through clips and highlight packages. And I just came across that one less than a week ago. <laughs> Uh, I had completely forgotten about that game. And like for home games, I don't hear your call often, you know, aside from highlight packages. Um, and I came across that one and heard it and remembered the game. And I was like, oh, I bet you Brian wishes he had that one back just with a right. full voice. Like the call was fine. It just, you had no strength of voice left or, mm -hmm. or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and that's something that happens to me every, would happen to me almost every year too with uh, leading up to Christmas time, it would always be late December, you know, cold and flu season would hit. Um, I've been, you know, traveling and probably not sleeping that well, probably not taking as good care of myself as I typically do just because of the, of the nature of the job and the long hours and the time on the bus. And so typically I'd get, I'd get a cold around that time. And I think that was the last, the last game before, you know, I, you know, we had a couple of days off for, for Christmas leading into what we'd always do the new year's Eve game. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, it just happened to be that, that fantastic game that, that would would be a great highlight to always have right but nope no I and I remember talking to you that morning um I I did not real I didn't watch the game previous to that so I didn't even realize that you had lost your voice and I saw you that morning and you were just like <laughs> I'm like I'm like I'm like Brian what did I do that you're giving me the silent treatment and I you might have even written down I'm losing my voice. I need to save everything for tonight. I was like, all right. Buzzling buddy. tea with honey. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was, it's also kind of, it's kind of interesting. You brought up the first memory. Like, I mean, you've worked with, you've known me what five years now we've known each other roundabout. Yeah. We met, it would have been like, well, the first phone call we had would have been probably August, early August of 2016. And yeah. then I think we met in person, um, right after my baseball season that I was doing finished because yeah. I came down to look for a place to live in Roanoke and I came by to, it was like a Sunday and you were at the office because that was your life at that point yes, leading up to the first season. So yeah, that would have been September of 16. We met in person. Yeah. So you've known me for a while now and, and you meant you brought up the, the Peoria series and I, I obviously have somewhat of a personal connection there. Um, that, that game probably the one that that we won on the road probably has not felt better than any other win that we've ever had uh to the point that I was actually rather demonstrable like throughout the game and that's like anybody that knows me just knows that I am not that type of person um mm -hmm. to get super amped or, or reactionary towards anything and I I was definitely at least fist bumping for fist pumping a little bit on uh on that game um, right, and you're of course, and you're of course a 
I mean, you're a business guy first. Like, of course you want the team to win, but the most important thing to you is that the financial health of the team is sound. That's secondary to what happens on the ice. But of course you want the dogs to win, but I imagine that game you felt more like a fan than you usually do. Yeah, I like I said, I, I was, uh, I think I was about as offended as everybody else that we got picked because we didn't, we didn't have a bad team. Like we had, no. there was, I think there was like, Four of, four of us were really close between like third and fifth place, I think that year. So like we were only a handful of points out of like third place and to get picked, I was like, oh, that's a slap in the face. And it, it definitely, it definitely felt nice, nice to, nice to win that one. Last um, thing on that, I remember uh, because yeah, we, we had a chance to be the fourth seed in going the last weekend. Mm-hmm. And I remember just the feeling from the locker room on that one and a guy you know being the media relations director I would I obviously pay attention to and you know set up all the interviews and everything and then you know would track the coverage and the preview for that series that the Roanoke Times did Steve Mealy had a, some incendiary quotes where he's like no there's, one this there's a shot to play them you know they're in for a rude awakening and he called a shot yeah absolutely and I, I think something else you said about that about that call and and shoehorning in catchphrases and things like that. Um, I did want to go back to that. I, I agree with you. I think like when a when a that's one of the reasons Doc Emmerich is so great, right? Like nothing he he has a million catchphrases, but none of them are shoehorned in. They just they flow very organically. Um, but it has not been your entire career here in Roanoke that you have not been shoehorning in words. Um, I don't. I think that this is something that a select few are really privy to. Um, but over the course of your career here, anytime I was watching a road game, each period, what what was what was the game? What game did we play, Brian? We played a game where it was send Brian an obscure word and see if he can fit it into the broadcast. And sometimes it'd be more of a challenge than others. This was something that was taken from baseball where one of my former broadcast partners, actually with the Salem Red Sox, Kevin Burke, a lot of people might remember him. He did the Sox games for two years. One year we did them together. And he had at a previous stop that had been a game they played with him. And we kind of passed it along. We did a couple of times there in Salem. And I'm pretty sure I mentioned it at one point. You're like, we're doing that. Oh, yeah. Um, so I actually, before we got on this call, I went back, uh, and unfortunately my phone broke about halfway through my time working here. So I only had, I only had about half the text messages, but some, some of the examples of it, like, uh, Admiral Akbar, Hopscotch, Dwight Schrute, Eggplant, uh, Dame Judy Dench, that one was in Pensacola. Uh, and then do you know, do you happen to remember what my what my absolute favorite word was? Curtain rod, right? Curtain rod. Um, I I don't I don't remember what game it was, um, but I had sent the term I had sent the word curtain rod. Um, we were in Macon. Lead, I remember we were in Macon. Okay. And this is going to lead into the next thing that we're going to talk about, and I'm going to give you a little bit of time to air a vendetta. Um, but I, I sent that word and the way that Brian worked it in was in the middle of a rant because somebody was blasting a Vuvuzela um, and Brian just went off and, and said, oh my God, I hate these Vuvuzelas. They just let anything in. 
He goes, what's going to be next? They're just going to let you bring in a curtain rod and everybody can just beat the hell out of each other with it or something, something to that effect. Um, and I about <laughs> fell, I about fell off my chair laughing. Um, that was the best, smoothest, angriest uh, example of you shoehorning the word in that I that I had ever seen. Yeah, um, that was so. I remember that was one. That was one of the first ones we had done, and yeah. we were in Macon, and yeah, the Vuvuzela horns. Oh, that is just such an offensive sound. It's just this. <laughs> this like it sounds like a dying quail that got stuck in a trumpet like it's horrible it's awful and in Macon there is a guy who and I can I can talk more openly about this now because I'm not going to call a game there again there is a guy who his season ticket is directly below where the broadcast booth is for the visitor so like I'm talking from where my crowd mic is hanging out maybe three feet down to him like it's not a big drop you're not up on a you know press box that's way up there just the way that that building is set up you're right there and he is blowing that thing all game just all game long all night it's just blowing constantly and I remember you had sent me you had sent me this word to 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 fit in (laughs) and I'm thinking all right how am I going to do this because you know it's you know, it's, it's, it, 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 it was fun for me. I always enjoyed it, yeah. you know, to see like, cause I don't, I don't know if there were any that I ever failed to get in or not. I'm, there might've been one or two. If, if, like, no, I, didn't I, don't, see the text. I don't think, I don't think you, you never had a failure with me. Okay. And so I, I'm thinking, all right, how am I going to do curtain rod? Is there anything that looks like a curtain rod or is there any way I can fit it into the play? Like, you know, it's sort of the shape of a hockey stick, not quite, you know, I'm clubbed in curtain rod in it. That doesn't work. And so I'm coming back from a commercial break and immediately before I start talking, the horn blows right into my crowd mic. And I'm just, you know, hear it in the headset. I'm like, oh, this, this guy. And I, I think the first words I said were the Vufazela horns blow and then kind of did like a sigh and went into my rant about like, cause it wasn't the first time that this had happened and that you, cause you can't ignore it because it's interrupting the flow of the broadcast. Sometimes yeah. you get drowned out from time to time with this crowd mic, you got to constantly be turning the, mono- the knob down. And so I'm just annoyed and I'm like, all right, here we go. And started, you know, said something about like, if you've listened before, you know, I'm not a big fan of those things. Like, I don't even know why they let them in the building. I just popped into my head to do the curtain rod thing. You know, what, what's next? They're going to let somebody in with a curtain rod and just hit people with it. Like, it, yeah, that, I, I, I remember that one vividly. Yeah. And so the other, the other funny thing about that, I, I've actually talked to a handful of fans um, and, and no joke, a few fans thought that that was a bit and, and they're like, they're like, oh, Brian was being so funny about the Vuvuzelas. And I was, I said, I said, no, 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 that's blind rage, <laughs> um, just ready to uncork. Um, a fan like, from the Booster Club gave me a Vuvuzela once thinking they were being cute and funny. And I was just like, uh, thanks. And I think I threw it away when I walked out of the event. Yeah, that's like somebody thought it was a bit that you were just showing. I was like, I said, there is nothing that that man hates more than Vuvuzelas, <laughs> except, except for maybe, and you, you outlasted him. Um, but can you, this is another thing that people have been wondering about. What was up with you and the River Kings mascot? <laughs> man, it just creeped me out. Like that wasn't, that was kind of a bit, but it was rooted in pure terror. Like, 
if if you haven't seen River King, well, River Thing, they literally called the mascot River Thing because it wasn't, it, it was a thing. It wasn't even like it was based on, it sort of looked like an undead penguin, but it creeped me out. And I just, you know, that usually the mascots, like there's some sort of kind of like funny look on their face, you know, like you can, whoever, you know, you see like a big smile, everything and expressive eyes. Not this thing. This thing just haunted my nightmares. <laughs> and, I, and at one time I, um, I like we were getting ready to go to South Haven. This was second year, 17, 18. And I did something on Twitter where I said, like, you know, you know, I tweeted a picture of it or something that was like kind of poking, make, making fun of both myself, the River Kings, and also noting how truly terrifying it was. And then we got into like a back and forth with the social media. And this was from my personal one, not the Rail Yard Dogs mm -hmm. account. And then we get there, man. And the pregame game one, you know, I went off to go to the bathroom, maybe get something to eat. I don't remember exactly, but I walked back to my broadcast spot and it was there waiting for me. And like, sorry, spoiler alert to any, if, if there's any kids listening to this who don't know, but yeah, I understand there's a guy inside that mascot. It's not a sentient being, but I, I'm not, I'm not kidding you, man. I, my heart dropped when I saw that. I was just creeped out by yeah. the fact that river thing was sitting there waiting for me and i was a good sport about it and we did like a selfie that i posted on twitter and i remember the look on my face when i saw this like it wasn't really a bit i was that uncomfortable <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not a big mascot guy I, I like diesel but that's about it i'll that's as far as i go with it um so let's let's change gears a little bit let's talk about something that that probably affects the broadcaster more than what somebody would think um, and let's let's talk specialty jerseys. Uh, so we we have had quite a few specialty jerseys here um, over the last three or four years. Um, what a lot of fans probably don't know, uh, I I personally, Alexandra as well, we play a big part in designing these things. Um, you know, it's it's uh, you know whether you like it or you don't like it, like there's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, and we usually try and cross all the T's and, and dot all the I's with it. Um, but do you have do you have a favorite and a least favorite specialty jersey from here? So the funny thing is, is that for me, the favorite and least favorite has not a lot to do with what they look like up close, you know, how cool of a design I think it is, what the theme. It has to do with the visibility of the numbers because you might so i'm you know several hundred feet away high up what you know calling the game talking a million miles a, an hour and just going as fast as i can and keeping up with the play and you need to know you need to be able to look and know that you see a number and you immediately know who the player is and there every once in a while there's a jersey and you just can't see the number on these specialty jerseys and my least favorite, it's not even a contest. And it's one that we're going all the way back to the first year, towards the end of the first year, one that wasn't even originally going to be a specialty jersey night, but it was added pretty late. It was a St. Patrick's Day jersey. And I remember I didn't know ahead of time until like a couple of days before that it was even happening. And I asked you, I was like, well, you know, are they good? Like, will I be able to see the numbers and will, will it pop up there? Will I have an issue? And you're like, oh no, man, you're good. You're good. 
and I, then I and then I saw the jersey and I'm like, Mickey, what the hell did you do to me? I well, so I don't even remember if you. I don't know if you remember how you saw it, but like, so when I told you it was good, in my head, our jerseys were white with green numbers. That's what I thought, like, it, like when I was visualizing. And I remember pulling it out of the box and you were on the other side of me. And I just saw, I looked at you, saw your face and I looked at the number and I go, oh, I screwed you on this one. This is not, this isn't good. And, uh, I will say this much, and it, it's probably a, a testament to you. Fortunately, that was at the later part of the season for us when you've kind of become adjusted to what players look like while they're skating. Like, you know what I'm saying? Where the numbers mm -hmm. become, not that they're not important, but a little bit less important. Because I, I don't think you really missed a beat during that game. But yeah, I definitely um, I definitely remember making making your life a little bit more difficult on that. Yeah, because they, they were white and they had kind of like a faded shamrock pattern with like a little bit of green on it. And then there were white numbers on top of it. They might have been outlined in orange, but they it, were, was, it was they tough. Were yeah, they were outlined in green, but it, like it was still white on white. So that that was uh, my bad. We got through it. <laughs> Yeah, we got through it. And like you said, at that point, you kind of know what guys look like. Like I could pick out a skating style of maybe someone hunches over a certain way, the way someone strides. It's harder to pick a favorite. I know you asked about the favorites also, because um, there were a lot of good looking ones. I mean, I really liked the uh, Mighty Dogs ones we did that looked almost exactly like the original Mighty Ducks movies ones. I liked when we did the fan choice ones. Um, I, I really liked the design that came from those. I know that I think that one of the finalists wasn't one of your favorites, but it was absolutely my favorite of the finalists for that one by far. Yeah, um, no, nobody will let me live that one down, by the way. Because mm -hmm, th those were really popular. Everyone loved them. Well, and if you remember, because I, I remember going through the vote and we, because like, we don't know what's going to happen in those votes, right? Like we put them out there and, and whatever happens, happens. I remember the staff was all talking about which one we thought was going to be the winner. And you guys all said that the the star one, and I, I said, I said, no way. I said, that one's my least favorite. I said, it'll be, it'll be one of these. And then I remember, um, I, I didn't hate it, but it just, it was not one of my favorite jerseys. And I remember saying after a one, I was like, oh man, I wish it, I had a different one that I wanted, but I, I will say I was absolutely wrong when, when they actually got on the ice wearing those, I was like, okay, yep, absolutely. I was wrong. They looked great. They did look phenomenal. Um, I, I thought for sure you would have said, uh, the night we adopted the Capitals colors was one of your, uh, one of the jerseys. I liked the, I liked those. I think the, the one thing they, um, the one thing that I didn't like, I, I thought that our logo didn't quite mesh with it as well as I would have hoped, but yeah, I, I, I definitely liked the Caps night because yeah, after the Caps won the Stanley cup, that was a lot of, you know, it was fun to have the Capitals night and Slapshot came down. Yeah. Of course, being a DC guy, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Do you, do you remember the fiasco that we had leading up to wearing those Capitals jerseys? I do. I do indeed. So, so first, for the first time ever, we're going to share this story. This is a little bit of a behind <laughs> the scenes of, of things that you never would ever know um, happened. Now that we're, now that I'm three years past this experience, I feel like I can share it. So, um, so we wore, it was year two that we wore the Capitals jerseys, right? No, it would have been year three because the Caps won in 2018. Sure. So year three. So we're only about two and a half years past. So we, uh, we get these, we promote it as a red, uh, we were, it was a red out, like everybody was rock the red. red, rock the red, all of that. We had spent a lot of money on the jerseys. We'd spent a lot of money 
um, getting slap shot out here and spent a lot of money promoting the night. And I got a phone call at about 10 a.m. from our equipment manager um, in a panic. Because uh, what a lot of people don't know, if, if we wear a specialty jersey, we have to alert the other team. And our equipment manager is supposed to talk to their equipment manager because they only travel with one set of jerseys. And the team that we were playing that night um, was the Huntsville. Yeah. And they brought their red jerseys, which was 100% our fault. It was not communicated where it should have been. Um, so that set us off into a panic because what a lot of people don't know, if both teams have a matching set of jerseys, if it's the home team's fault, they have to wear their their uh, opposite jerseys. And if it's the visiting team's fault, they have to figure out a solution. So it was our fault. Um, I started calling everybody I could within the Huntsville organization because we were about seven hours to puck drop and Huntsville was seven hours away. Um, so there was no way that I could drive there and back. I couldn't meet anybody halfway. Um, I couldn't find anybody that was able to drive that had a car. So it, with a last ditch effort, I found a set of connecting flights that landed in Roanoke at 525 when these jerseys had to hit the ice at 615. Um, I was lucky I talked to the owner of Huntsville, Keith. Uh, they had a guy that works with them, very nice guy named Mark, uh, Mark Fagenkratz, I believe was his name. Um, and uh, I called him, I said, uh, Mark, are you going to fly out here? You've got an hour to get to the airport. And he went, packed up the bags, uh, got him a one-way ticket, sent him all of his information. Uh, he hopped on the first flight, went without problem. The second flight got delayed. Mm -hmm. so he's texting me from the tarmac. Um, we were delayed like a half an hour. He's like, we're delayed, we're delayed. And then I remember the last text I got from him, he goes, engine's firing, gotta go, radio silence. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I spent all day tracking his flights. He ended up landing in Roanoke. Uh, I want to say at like 545-ish, 550. Um, we go get the bags. We throw them in the back of my Jeep. Um, and he's like, oh, hold on. Let me grab my coat. It's a little bit. I was like, get in the car. We're go we got to get to the arena. Um, and I remember, I, I think, you know, I hope there's no police watching, but I, I might have hit 90 plus. <laughs> on 581 and he's like he goes it's not going to help us if we get pulled over and i said i go the i go the the police stop is ending at the arena i go if if we get pulled over i'm going to the arena you bring the bags in i'll talk to the we'll figure everything else out we <laughs> we ended up getting we ended up getting the jerseys there at like 608 the other team was very gracious putting their their road whites on and and uh Nobody outside of our organization and their organization had any idea that it ever had happened. So. I remember before warmups, like we yeah, had every time they were hitting the ice for warmups, I remember looking and being like, all right, well, is he going to make it? Because I, I kept checking. I, I was probably, I was curious. Like throughout the day, I kept checking in and I was probably driving you nuts. I'd be like, what's the status? Like, are they going to make it? Yeah. They're going to make it. And I, you probably wanted to kill me at the time because you're like, I don't care, Brian, get out of here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and I remember seeing them come out for warmups. You're like, wow, they did it. That was, we got there with about eight minutes to spare. And that was a very <laughs> long, long day. But you know what, though? That's, that's minor league sports sometimes, right? Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what you do. So um, 
that's that's a story that has never been shared outside of the organization before. So, um, I'm uh, I'm glad to finally come glad to finally come clean about it. So, um, so I think I mean that that was a that was a kind of the, the few stories I wanted to talk about. I wanted to hear about some of the stuff that you were doing. Um, you know, before I let you go, I appreciate you taking the half an hour or so and and uh, sitting down and talking with us. Um, is there anything else you want to say? Um, say on your way out. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's bittersweet. It's weird because you never really think about, you know, when you take a job, what's going to happen next. Like when, when I took, when I got this job, I mean, it was kind of a backup for both of us. Like yeah. you had been, you know, trying to find someone for a little while. I had had previous job that I thought was going to be my kind of safety net where if I, you know, if I didn't get something that was a full-time thing, it was going to be going back somewhere where I had been calling games and getting paid by the, uh, by the game. And then that fell through and your stuff had fallen through. And I've mentioned him before when we talked about the word game, Kevin Burke, who was still doing the Salem Red Sox games at the time, he texted me. He was like, Hey, you got any interest in this, that, you know, the new talking team in Roanoke had, had approached him and he, you know, I think entertained it for a little while, but then he stayed with what his off season job was. And I was like, yeah, put me in touch. And originally it was come in, do the games. And then it turned into yeah. so much more, man. Like I never thought that Roanoke was going to become someplace that felt like home. And I mean, that was for my entire life, really, mm -hmm. since I had left college, I had moved from one place to the other, seasonal job, seasonal job, go do baseball, go do basketball, go do baseball, go do hockey. And, you know, never in a place for more than five, six months at a time. And then Roanoke was the first place since, you know, since I'd gotten out of college, since I had been a, a professional that felt like home there where I, you know, where it, it, you know, it, it, it became, I guess comfortable is the is the best way to yeah. to explain it, and it's just not something that I expected when I took the job. It's not something that I had counted on, in any ways. And it's yeah, it's 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 just an odd feeling to leave. But like I said at the outset, it's time. You know, it's yeah. just time. And I'll miss well, I'll miss all you guys. I'll miss the fans. I'll miss everything about it. But yeah, well, that's and that's where it gets like it's been a little bit weird just in Roanoke because like I'm, I've been in minor league sports for 10 plus years now, like and, you know, faces come and go like all the time. Right. Like it's it's just very odd that you have a real sense of continuity and like me, you, Alexandra, um, um, Marissa was only here, you know, a year and a half. Parrish was here for three years. Like all of it, like, you know, we all became very close. We were, you know, we'd spend our, as much time as we'd spend in the office together, we would still do stuff out of the office together as friends, like going out and, and uh, grabbing some food and maybe a drink or two after the, after the games was always, uh, always fun. I, I don't, you know, I've, I've not really seen that like, and all across minor league sports. So it's, it's been a, it's just been a very, it's been a very weird surreal cool experience over like the last four or five years to to have so much continuity um and you know really be able to come, become you know relatively close with the people that you're working with we're like like i said we almost didn't start this podcast because it was just catch-up time where i was like oh wait a second we, we got to save some of this for the save some of this for the podcast so um yeah no man like i said i 
I know we we've talked me and you you know talked about this for years. We've always known that that you know you're going to be um, moving on to other stuff, but um, we're glad that we got you for the the three and a half plus seasons. Um, I hope whenever whenever you do get a chance to come back, I know hopefully you'll be working somewhere else. Um, but you know if you do have a chance to ever come back and stop in and see us, you're always welcome. Um, and I'll I'll be looking forward to hearing you, you know, at the double A, triple A, and eventually, you know, the NHL level. So I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing where you go from here. Thanks, Mickey. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, and then Rally Yard Dogs fans, that's that's all from from Mickey and Brian. We had to give the people what they wanted. We gave we gave Lex the week off. So I know people were just clamoring to hear me. So I, and and Brian <laughs> Brian secondary. But um, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, and stay tuned for the next podcast.